Hello and welcome once again to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and as always, I am pleased and I'm honored to be your host and your commentator for another of our commentary shows, one of the shows that we have up on air and online 24-7 at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com, on air and online, uh, essentially because we're coming to you in two different formats. Well, the on-air and online really is all part of one format. We call it a radio loop. It's the second link on our homepage, our center-left radio homepage, again, at www.centerlefttalkradio.com. And it allows you to pick up this show, and you may very well be listening to it in this format. You'll hear this show and pick it up at whatever point it happens to be in the loop that it's playing in. Why? Well, because a lot of people like to listen to radio that way. They still do. Maybe people of a certain age, possibly, but we certainly welcome people of, of any age, even certain ages. And of course, the other link is to our podcast feed, the <laughs> what's becoming the more traditional form of, uh, of broadcast these days. But there it is. You have your choice. As a radio loop, or a podcast. You're listening to one or the other. You're listening to Center Left Radio. It is Friday, the 18th of February. As I speak to you, a line of uh, rain squalls. There was supposed to be some thunder, but I don't think there is any. And I think it's just past us this second. It was moving. They said it was moving at 45 miles an hour. And uh, we had gone from uh, in the single digits uh, earlier in the week, and suddenly we were up in 62-degree range yesterday. And apparently before the evening, before the sun sets today, we'll be back in the low 30s and then high 20s and below overnight. It's, it, it's a roller coaster ride around here, but that's... Uh, I guess to some extent, it's, it's what happens in mid to late winter in New York generally. But the excesses are, I think, more excessive. It's just the way things have been going of late. But we're not going to get into uh, issues of, of, uh, of global warming and everything else that we should be talking about constantly because I, I can't imagine what's more important than our capacity to survive on the planet we live on. It is also that much more frustrating, and you know this, anyone knows this who's followed any of this, because, well, you can't see the final impact instantaneously. You can't, you can't say, look at this, this, and this, and then say to someone who's sitting in a relatively comfortable place uh, with the, their power working and no floods at their front door and, and no hailstorms and, and not in the middle of, uh, of being knocked over by, by excessive hurricanes one after the next, which is to say most of the country most of the time. You can't tell them that there is a global warming and a climate change process going on. It's too easy to fight it if you're open to lies and stupidity and don't want to look forward. These are the types of things that it's easy to get people to focus on the immediate. 
and not think about what might be in the future, and certainly not to think about what might be happening to others and how and how you have to think of this in a community-related related way. Look, look at look at our pandemic. Look at COVID. Look at how people have responded to that. Look at the 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 insanity about masks and the insanity about vaccines and all the rationales and everything else for not thinking in a community way, for not thinking about one another, for finding ways to have my way or the highway. It's, it's who we are and where we are right now. It's just, uh, well, we, we, we maybe, hopefully, will find some way to get past that. Hopefully, it won't require uh, more draconian things to happen. There, there was an interesting um, guest uh, editorial in the New York Times. I think it was a couple of days ago. And it talked about... <laughs> it, it attempted to draw some analogies or at least focus us on events following, get ready for this, the Great Plague in Europe, the one that went from 1348 to 1351, the, the, the biggie that wiped out some estimate as much as a third or a half of the European population. It was bubonic plague, basically. Rat-carried, viral, uh, bacterial, all sorts of having to do with human cleanliness and, and not knowing the first thing or, or having forgotten what the Romans and the Greeks and many civilizations before us knew about sanitation and sewage and what could happen, or at least being aware of it anyway. If they didn't know all the details, they, they did something about it. Uh, medieval Europe was not known for taking uh, particular precautions when it came to uh, things, uh, dirt and filth, uh, at least regarding the vast majority of the population that served the small upper class. And, and the point that was made in this editorial was that once we'd gotten through that, or as we got through the plague, and, and there's enough historic records to back this up, uh, there was a huge change in the job market. People began leaving the fields. People stopped. The, the serfs who were bound to the soil by e eons of tradition and basically couldn't leave and couldn't do anything, and suddenly you're watching people dying all around you and you're saying to yourself in, in, in sort of pe Peggy Leeish fashion, is that all there is? and just upping and leaving and trying to strike out for a better life. And, and, and what this ultimately did to the economics of Europe and, and the chaos it called, caused, and more significantly, the upheaval in society and the violence and the, and the, uh, the movement towards extended conflict within Europe that took place as a result of this after the end of the Great Plague of 1348 uh, to 1350. When Barbara Tuckman 
talks about the plague uh, and a, a, um, a nobleman named de Cussy, uh, that she focuses on him and his family, his life, I think simply because they had such extensive records about this guy and tracks what's happening to him during this period uh, through a distant mirror. It's, it's still out there. You could find it. One of, one of the better books ever written, quite frankly. Um, but I, I'm not sure that the analogies hold up all that perfectly with what we're seeing as a result of COVID. Yes, people are leaving, but we're in a far more structured situation. We know a little more about uh, health and, and, and everything else. We are not on the verge of total intersocietal warfare. We're not even close, I think, I hope, to anything like a civil war. We have a lot of crazies out there. We have a lot of people who, while numerically they may be what they've always been in this country, there's always that 30% that's kind of the the contrarian and worse, you know, they're, they're conspiracy theorists, they, they hate the system, they're against it, etc., etc. They're always out there, but they're always bubbling below the radar, they're always an undercurrent and sort of an after, an, an echo within the larger society, and every so often they emerge. And they're emerging now largely because of social media and regrettably because this type of off-the-wallishness has been validated by a guy named Donald Trump, who we're still talking about to his pleasure, I have no doubt, uh, a year and change after he was defeated by Joe Biden. But, but that's the way it is. This is the nature of what our society is right now. Trump, give him a question, say anything to him, and he has these five or six instantaneous comeback lines that kick and beat and stomp, usually inaccurately, at Democrats or anyone, and it's typically a diversion away from the specific thing that he was asked about. These people are attacking me, these people who blang, 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 and how can you believe anything they're saying? Listen to me, implication, I've beaten them all before a thousand times, I'll beat them again now. Or at least, I don't, I don't, I'm not in the business of having to uh, face up to or deal with uh, the consequences of my nefarious actions. And you know, there, there's been all, we have all kinds of investigations. It's getting worse and worse. We've talked about it. The, 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 you know, we, everything keeps closing in, but nothing ever quite closes in completely on Donald until yesterday and 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 i don't know if, if if you're not watching the news or keeping up with this on a rather granular level you're, granular level you you may not have 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 picked up on this but there was a finding uh in a i i th was it at the appellate division level no i think it was i, I think it might have been at the supreme court level yesterday. This was regarding the civil investigation, important words, civil investigation being conducted through the offices of New York State Attorney General Letitia James. 
And and she, you know, you know, there, there's this criminal investigation. This is all into Trump and his business dealings. And there's a criminal investigation happening in Manhattan. Started under Morgenthau, he resigned. The new guy, the new the new DA, who's gotten himself into tons of hot, hot water, saying what he wasn't going to do and wishes he'd never said that. Uh, but he's continuing the criminal investigation into the Trump companies and Donald generally. But Letitia James has had a specifically, very absolutely investigatory, civil investigation going against him. And yesterday you understood the logic and the rationale behind that. If you, if you believe that the law should treat all people equally, and if you assume that that in part was why Letitia James began this investigation of the Trump family and organizations, beyond the fact that obviously obvious wrongdoing had been done, but the man was in fact somehow president of the United States. Okay, if you believe that there is an equal under the law um, underpinning somewhere, even though we can't always see it or recognize it in American jurisprudence, you can say, okay, I get why Letitia James started her investigation, but yesterday you understood why it was a civil investigation. What happened yesterday was that Donald, his daughter, and his son Don Jr. were all compelled by an order of the Supreme Court of New York State to appear for depositions in the civil investigation being carried out by Letitia James and the state of New York. Okay, well, Donald Trump has been called to, you know, uh, to, to uh, show up for investigations a thousand times before. This one is different. And, you know, he usually, he usually quash, quash a subpoena or, or I'm not going to show up and I won't show up. Or if I, I don't, I don't have to show up. No, no, no. On this one, you do. Oh, he'll just, he'll just challenge it. Okay, he will. There, there'll be one further appeal to the Court of Appeals in New York State, which is our highest court. That may take another month or two. But. Given the nature of the eight-page ruling that came out one step down yesterday and the scathing way in which the judge dealt with the BS allegations of the Trump lawyers, and, and he's, his lawyers have just gotten worse and worse and worse. You know, he doesn't pay lawyers, and he keeps getting a lower and lower line of them, and the better firms continually are shedding him, just like his accounting firm shed him the other day and said, you know, the last 10 years of filings we put out on behalf of Donald based on what he and his company said, well, Ignore those. We no longer stand behind any of that because there are probably material discrepancies between what we were told and what we wrote and what the reality is. The ruling says that you, Mr. Trump, and this, this hearing was specifically on demands by the state of New York that Trump, uh, Ivanka, and Donald Jr. have to appear for testimony under oath in a civil investigation. And the ruling said, yeah, show up. Now, there will be an instantaneous appeal by Trump's attorneys. We know that. Take a couple of months. It'll go to the Court of Appeals in New York State. 
the Court of Appeals will absolutely, based on the document that was issued by the lower court in New York, absolutely will uphold it almost on motion. It'll just get, it'll just be accepted as is. And that will be the end of it. It is not appealable to the Supreme Court. This is a state matter, a state civil matter. And it is so well documented, there's nothing for the Supreme Court to pick up on here. I don't know if they can attempt to take it to the Supreme Court. I don't believe they can. Because in the meanwhile, the, he would have to be, they'd all be compelled to show up and start testifying. So, so let's say they are. And, and this is how strong this documentation is. They could still show up and say things like, I refuse to testify on the grounds that my testimony may cause me criminal, I, I, that, I may, my, that it may be implicit, in, any way you want to read out your Fifth Amendment right. I refuse to testify on the grounds that it may incriminate me. I mean, there, there's, a, there's a standard way in which this is said. Different attorneys will tell their, law, their, their clients to say it certain ways. Uh, Donald Jr. appeared, I think, before Congress at some point and said it over someone, I think the number was several hundred times, repeated his Fifth Amendment rights. Now, in a criminal investigation, if this were New York City, and you said, I refuse to testify, once the trial that ultimately will follow all of this investigation. Once that trial takes place, it is absolutely forbidden for the prosecution, unless it's brought up by the defendant and his attorneys, it's forbidden for the prosecution to bring up the fact that the client declared his guilt, or declared that he couldn't testify because it might incriminate him. I don't care how many times he did it. I don't care how obvious it would be, therefore, that he probably had something to hide. You don't say, I can't talk because it may incriminate me several hundred times without leaving an impression in your wake that you have something that could incriminate you. So you can't even talk about that in a criminal trial. Ah, but in New York State, in a civil trial, which would follow these investigations, and Letitia James will bring a civil case, be absolutely certain about that, you can, you can look at the jury straight in the eye, and you can question the defendant, or if the defendant refuses to testify, you can say, the, the defendant is not talking about this, refuses to testify here, but during the investigatory phase of this trial, he took the Fifth Amendment. How many times when asked about this? He, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, swore that he might be incriminating himself if he answered that question. And what the prosecution does, or what, or what the, what the, I'm sorry, what the plaintiffs do, it's not a prosecution, it's a civil trial. What the plaintiffs do is they run, they keep running down the list of all the questions. There was a perfect synchronicity between the questions that were asked during 
the testimony during during the uh, during the questioning of this witness under oath and what they actually want to elicit during the trial we he our, our, the, the plaintiff will not get on the witness stand or maybe the plaintiff is on the witness stand uh, you know, uh, you asked about, we, we asked you about, you were asked this during, uh, blah, 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 blah. And, uh, well, I, I, I don't recall what I said. Well, what you did say was that you refused to testify about this during the hearing preceding this trial on, on the grounds that it may incriminate you. And you did that 10 times. And how about blah, 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 blah? Well, I, I, I really don't remember what I said. Well, what you did remember during the hearing... And when you were testifying, when under oath, you said that you couldn't talk about this because it might incriminate you. That's why you couldn't talk about it. And you said that to this, to this particular point 15 times. You see the point here. A jury will be hearing that the very questions that we want answered here from these people, they can't answer or are forgetting about, but at the time that they were questioned about them under oath, they simply said, I can't answer this question. They, they, they couldn't legally not answer anything. They could have said, I don't remember. And at that point, of course, documentation that would support their liability would have been presented. That'll be happening during the case also. The, the bottom line is that the case, the civil case that would come up against Trump and his family will be so overwhelmingly compelling and the facts that will be brought out will be so overwhelmingly compelling and the fact that the, that the Trump family can't even talk about it because they are virtually saying to even talk about this would expose me to criminal liability, would basically expose me to culpability. I can't even talk about it. This will be a slam dunk win for the plaintiffs in this trial. Now, it'll be civil. It'll be a civil case. And basically, that means that it will have civil consequences. But those civil consequences, oh, there's a range of things that Letitia James can do in New York State. And there are a range of things that would have to be done or could be done given the full faith and credit clause of the Constitution regarding the actions of any one state in basically doing things in other states. She could begin attaching assets. She could compel sale. She could force penalties. She could do stuff that could be absolutely devastating to Donald and his organization. And... A lot of this, then, could be brought back into the conviction, the, the findings in that civil case could, if handled correctly, also be brought into the criminal case on the other side. The criminal case would wait the final statement of the civil case. 
Donald would be brought to bear. And this is, this is before, this is before the Georgia, uh, uh, before the Georgia Attorney General, maybe not, the Georgia Attorney General still has yet to decide whether or not there will be a criminal indictment brought against Donald for election tampering. Before anything happens with the uh, January 6th commission, before the Justice Department decides what it's going to do with all the information it has. This is not a good time for Donald Trump. It is a good time, though, if he wants to raise money, because he continues to put out somewhere in the range of about 10 to 15, this is, I heard this yesterday, and I, I haven't verified this personally because I don't go looking online. I, clearly, I am not one of the target uh, uh, contributors. I, I don't receive his emails. But there are sources putting out emails constantly for Donald to get him money. And when he gets money, and he gets lots of it, many millions of dollars come to him from small donations <laughs> the storyline is it, none of it winds up going into the coffers of the Republican National Committee. None of it goes to help candidates in the midterm election. It all goes to Donald because Donald is hedging his bets. He knows what's going to come down the pike at some point here. What he doesn't know is how bad it will be. And of course, being Donald, he's assuming he can basically BS his way through all of it. But his kids can't. That, that's another piece of leverage here. Remember, the children, that the beloved daughter and son, they are basically about to get nailed over here also. They are going to take all kinds of hits. Everybody has got exposure galore in this situation, all starting with just an innocent little civil matter. Now, I, I, I've said, you know, whenever Donald is confronted with something like this, the inevitable response that you hear from him is, this is all BS or some variation on those words. This is all done out of hatred. They're doing, it's totally unfair. It's a witch hunt always punctuated then by a litany of four or five statements that basically are either tr not true or misleading that basically put the Democrats in a bad light. It's, 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 a, simple, it's a simple strategy. Have this little... It, 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 the RNC probably types these things up on a daily basis. They're, they're, the little, they're the little response sheet. It's the talking point sheet that any Republican being questioned in the halls of Congress is prepared to tick off when things get rougher than they need to get. If you need to come back and don't want to answer honestly, which is the, for most part the case, a question, a valid question being posed to you. You go tick, 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 and here are the things that are wrong with Democrats, and you find a way to then become busy and walk away. But you leave the negative impression. That's the last thing that's heard by the interviewer, and because 
controversy is what gets on air, even someone who might be otherwise favorable to law and democracy in this country usually puts up whatever the hell the Republican congressperson, the senator said, simply because, well, it's entertainment. And look what they said, or something like that. And, and we just... We just don't seem to be good at that on the Democratic side. It, it, it's not, is it so distasteful to be prepared in advance to have, to have a, 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 a brief litany of those things, and there are so many of them, that are unsavory and wrong and inappropriate about Republican behavior that differentiate Republicans from Democrats, and to have it wrapped up in a 30-second little elevator talk or escalator talk that could be kicked off and thrown out at any moment. What Have you ever seen or have you seen with any consistency Democrats do that? Democrats instantly seem to take any question that's that's thrown at them by any reporter. Certainly, if it's in a negative tone, they take it literally or get a little snarky or they ignore it or they try to work around it or say something, blah, blah, blah. How are you? Blah, blah, blah. There's never this. This is one of the few areas and, and, and so much about, you know, just the lying and the misdirection that happens through Republicans I, I am utterly against. But there are a few areas where I think it would really make sense to look at how Republicans handle things. And this is one of them. But you just don't get it. Excuse me, uh, uh, Senator, uh, why are you... Uh, uh, why, why are you accepting campaign funds from, uh, from this corporate donor when you seem to be... Do you know what the Republicans do with this? They do that, and we do that. They do this, blah, 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 but we're this. They do that, but we... Do. And there should be a list of about four or five things. Click them off, get out of it, walk out, smile, go away. It gets shown on Fox News, too. Well, he was lying about... And Fox doesn't bother going into any great detail or, or One American News. They don't care. But it gets out there when you do this. We've learned this. Or it gets, it gets into social media or something. It gets on Facebook. Somebody gets it out there. And I, 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 I've, I've despaired of late of Democrats ever learning how to do this. It's so simple. That was until... Yesterday was quite a day, wasn't it? It was until yesterday... I imagine Democrats could never learn how to do this. Well, someone changed my mind yesterday evening. You're not going to, you won't believe it. A name from the distant past. <laughs> Hillary Rodham Clinton. I, I have seen Hillary going back, going back to around... Oh, late 90s, when, when she was running for senator <clears throat> in New York State. I, I happened to catch a, a campaign stop that she was doing at the Waldorf Astoria. Um, uh, it was a Nash, uh, an American Federation of Teachers, or uh, some teachers group was holding a big affair at the, at the Waldorf Astoria, and Hillary was invited to come in and do a guest appearance, <clears throat> essentially do a campaign appearance. Uh, I think Randy Weingarten is, at the time had, had invited her in and blah, 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 whatever the deal was. And I listened to her give her what, it, what wound up being her stump speech. 
it was the most uninspired. I mean, it was factually there. It was proper and polite. It was logical. It was thoughtful. Uh, it, it laid out certain points. It was the most uninspiring thing I'd ever heard in my life. And I remember my wife and I are sitting there. I'm in a tux. She's in a gown. We were there for some other. I had to be there as part of a corporate group, my corporate group at the time. And I was utterly unimpressed by what I saw this woman do on the campaign trail. And quite honestly, uh, fast forward to 2015, it, to lead up to 2016 election, watching Hillary on the campaign trail was a constant, uh, my nails were digging into my palms frequently saying, oh, please be more interesting than that, or, or listening to her respond to, to media questions, and it was the smile and the ancient, look, I know who I am, I know I'm ahead, kind of feel you never got passion was a word that never described Hillary until last night and I heard her do a full-throated endorsement of Kathy Hochul the current governor of New York State who was running for re-election and it was a Democratic uh, uh, committee event of some sort yesterday and Hillary introduced and re-endorsed Kathy Hochul, and she did it with a litany of things, the likes of which I have not heard a major Democrat or major or candidate or otherwise do on air. And she came up with that 30, she had that 30-second elevator speech. They do this, we do this, we do this, they don't do that, we do this, they don't do that, we do. It was the standard format. And I, 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 would, I would run it for you right now, but I was trying to find it this morning. I haven't seen it show up. It's probably still going through news cycle. It's still within the current news cycle. Hopefully it's playing all over the place. Remember, this is February 18th, 2022. If you could find it out there, look for Hillary Clinton endorsing Kathy Hochul last night somewhere in Albany, some Democratic committee event. And hear her so completely and utterly, in my perspective, out of character. Just doing, doing unto others as others have continually done us, unto us. And doing it in a way that is credible, viable, rational, gets right to the heart of the matter, makes sense. And you suddenly feel, my, my sensation was, it's, it's like... A burden lifted off of you. In, in the year and change since the Biden administration has been in there, in here, I have not heard anyone do what I heard Hillary Clinton do last night. She pulled, she pulled a Republican on the Republicans. It's so easy. Have, have your talking points. Have them ready. Bam, 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 bam. Flick them off. Get it out there. The media gobbles it up. It shows up all over Facebook. People go, holy mackerel, look at that. But we somehow don't seem to be able to do that. We're, the Democrats and progressives are trapped in this, in this, I don't know, is it a logic loop? Is it a, is it a, is it a righteousness uh, 
bubble that basically prevents us from understanding that there are some very simple ways in which to communicate ideas strongly that stick and hold in people's minds, that, that motivate your own voters? Is that possible that we haven't figured that out? Is it just a cultural uh, limitation of Democrats? Well, yesterday Hillary gave an indication of what could be done if you just think about what's being done to you. It's so simple. And, I, and again, I urge anyone looking to please go check this out. To find it, I, I I would play it right now, but I don't, I don't, I couldn't find, I couldn't find any tape of it, and I otherwise I would put the audio on air right now. It was simple, it was great, it was impassioned. She had emotion. It was not the Hillary I remember on the campaign trail. Some some commentator this morning said, <laughs> "Tan and rested." That's what she sounded like, and 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 that's very well is the case. Maybe, maybe Democrats generally have to start in some way becoming uh, tan and rested and getting out there and doing exactly what they need to do because they have all of the weaponry humanly imaginable at their fingertips. Simply lay out the case in a 30-second elevator talk that verse us versus them. What we're doing, what they won't do. What we're doing, what they won't do. What they can't do and why they can't do it. It fits beautifully. It might have gone more than 30 seconds, but it was perfect and it had feeling. It had emotion. It came through maybe because it was so unexpected coming from Hillary that it had that much more oomph to it. But for God's sake, Democrats, please talk about the good that we can represent. Stop focusing on the intra, intramural squabbles and the intra-party and intra-conference differences, and those are going to be there. Stop beating our chest about the failures of a mansion or a, or a cinema and what we couldn't get done. Show the world and talk about what we can and will get done and how we have to move forward to make it work because there ain't no one else to do it because the other party is completely in the pocket of Donald Trump and has nowhere else to go but deeper and further into, into oblivion but wants to be in power. Well... Let them want that. We'll talk about the logic of what we do. No! Explain that this is not good. Having them there won't be a good thing. Here's why. Here's what we do. Here's what we're for. Here's what they're for. Do you really think if they get into power, they're going to do anything differently? No. You have to keep Democrats there. This is the only way to basically save the country. Yes, the, 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 the rural America and the, and the ex-herbs of America, they're basically gone. They have gone Trump nuts. You talk about Trump derangement syndrome and they like to tell it, say that, we're, that we suffer from it. No, no. The ex-herbs and the suburbs and the rural parts of this country, trust me, and I've seen this, are basically wrapped in, possessed of Trump derangement syndrome. It doesn't matter what seems, doesn't matter what happens to the guy. All he has to do is turn around and say, now give me money. 
and 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 oh well, my, oh my accounting firm basically disowned me and and said that ten years of my of my statements are bad. You know what Donald's explanation for that was? Well, that mean well now that they've said that, well that's it. There's no longer a need for an investigation. That that's which is illogical nuts, insane, crazy, but that basically is just another way of saying, you see, no matter what I say, you're going to believe me. So I say, give me more money, give me everything you've got, support me, because I, here's another reason, and it's a complete lie, it's a complete misstatement of reality, but then again, you swallow that crap whole, don't you? Give me your money. And that's who these people are. And they're there. Why are they there? Because we haven't, because of Donald and, and social media and the way we've just been degressing as a nation over the last 20 years, the cap that normally exists on that 30% that keeps the crazies under wraps, they're always there. No, the crazies have been given run of the insane asylum or at least the perception, because that's what social media does. It's the perception they're there, that this minority of America is driving an entire party because, well, they're just working on perception. It also shows one of the great weaknesses of our system, that it is a lot of show. Well, last night Hillary showed you what the go could be like. All show? No. There was some real go. And, and the go was in the statement she made about what the party does. Caring for humans. Caring for people. Caring for families. Caring for the environment. Caring for things that the Republicans can't even imagine doing. Caring about jobs. Caring about really rebuilding the infrastructure. Caring about equality under the law. Caring about the vote for all. It's so easy. Lay it out there. Throw it out there. Put your spin on it. Put the Democrats further under the wheels of the bus than they've already put them, uh, put the Republicans under the wheels of the bus further than they already have themselves. Just say it. Don't be afraid to say it. Don't feel, don't feel culturally or, or ethically constrained because there is no ethical constraint there. It, make it factual. Make it true. Wow, we can, we can do things with truth that the Republicans don't even dare approach. They can't. They live in Donald's pocket. We don't. Great distinction, and probably the greatest advantage that we could possibly have for however things wind up going into the 2022 midterm elections. Donald don't own us. David will be here in just oh, a couple of minutes or so. He's hanging out in the wings right now. Until then, think about this with a little more jazz.
This is Richard Gazer. You know, it takes lots of time and effort and all kinds of resources to produce the kind of quality program we produce here at Center Left Radio. And it costs money to do it. Now, if we screamed a little louder or thought a little less about what we were saying, we could probably get a few advertisers to pay us to sell their products to a more tribally predictable audience. But that's not who we are or who you are. You come to Center Left Radio for non-commercial, thoughtful commentary. You're looking for an honest, progressive approach to solving America's problems, not exacerbating them. And we're committed to providing all of that. We're one of the few stations offering full-time, non-commercial, progressive programming. And we're the only station, the only one, doing it with a combination of hope, politics, and that most eloquent of all original American art forms, jazz. Think of it this way. We support your needs. Now we're asking you to support ours. Take a moment and go to our website, www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com, and go to the donate page. And when you get there, give whatever you can. On a one-time or maybe a recurring basis, $5, $10, $1,000, whatever you can contribute to make center-left radio's unique progressive voice stronger and even more significant as the full extent of the wrongdoing of Donald Trump and his associates becomes all the more evident. And as we seek to hold the House Democrats accountable for the promises they made to the American people during the last election. Yeah, you know what's at stake. And I know, we all know, we can count on you. On behalf of all of us at Central F Radio, Thank you. You're listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz, and you're listening to us on the web at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com. And if you're listening, if you're there, and obviously you had to go somewhere near there, unless you have a link set up uh, that takes you around that link. But if you're at the webpage, you have uh, two links that are staring at you. You've, you've obviously chosen one of them. That's why you're listening. The first is our podcast feed. The second is our radio loop. So that if you feel like uh, listening to things in a kind of analog, old school sort of way and pick up the show wherever it happens to be at the moment you tune in, that's what you go for. One way or the other, you're with us. And one way or the other, it's Friday. And fortunately, I get to say the magic words. David, what's on your mind? Well, there's a lot of uh, of stuff going on. We have the the continual drumbeat that something might happen in Ukraine. At which point, like, look, I understand that they keep talking about it, keep warning us, but keeping the foot on the pedal when, like, giving us days and it's imminent and it doesn't seem to happen is not like really good journalism. Like, they gave us an actual date. And there's people who are saying that, like, oh, last weekend they were going to knock out the entirety of the, the Ukrainian uh, Internet. They were going to, like, execute the, the leadership, like, things like that. It's just – it's hyping it up for a thing that doesn't appear to have happened yet. Like, it doesn't need this level of coverage for a thing that they're kind of hyping. 
Um, also, there's two major uh, court cases that have currently happened. Um, oh, yeah. I don't know if you read it, but uh, the John Durham indictment uh, has proven that the Hillary Clinton presidency is now in trouble because she spied on Donald Trump <laughs> while he was president. Um, and therefore, we now can throw her in jail. And then Trump <laughs> yeah. had his own legal issues this weekend. Uh, oh, yeah. Yesterday oh, yeah. Well. yeah. Well, when, when, whenever they start bringing up Hillary, you know, Donald's having big problems. That, that, that's the usual, you know, quid pro quo. Start nailing Hillary. But but I, I was rather thrilled with what I heard Hillary saying last night at that uh, Democratic uh, National Committee event uh, with uh, bringing, uh, endorsing uh, Kathy Hochul. And she actually sounded like a Republican the way she went through this 30-second uh, escalator uh, drubbing of Republicans based on a what we do and what they don't do. And it was like, wow, that sounds like normal politics. But it didn't sound like it was coming from Hillary. She, I've never heard her go like, uh, talk like that before. I was rather surprised. Yeah, which, I mean, look, it's all well and good, but like, she doesn't matter. Like, this, like the, 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 the fervor over her this week was just wild. First off, because it's not true. Um, yeah, of course. The, the most salacious headlines, uh, they vary. Um, we have the combination of Hillary Clinton. Uh, they all use the word, word infiltrate. Now, for those of you who didn't read the 13-page um, indictment from uh, from John Durham, which was a uh, articles asking to look for potential improper contacts between lawyers, uh, potential conflicts of interest. That's what he. That's what the documents were about. <laughs> Furthermore, they were sent out a week. They were sent out after the statute of limitation had passed. Yeah, of course. So no, none of that matters. None of that matters. I mean, it's to even respond to this stuff gets kind of kind of nuts after a while. None of that matters because it, it, it's completely meaningless, legally meaningless. It only has meaning in the social me media realm. It means something to people on Facebook. It means something on Fox. It means something on One American News. That that's the only place this stuff means anything. So arguing it on the merits, I I, I guess we have to. But but is that the most effective way of, of, of sort of, you know, defanging something like this? Well, no. And the problem is it's one of those things where if you're just a, like a regular person and you hear this, in order to explain like the intricacies of what is happening right. here, you have to go down a an insane rabbit hole anyway because that's where it starts. Like if you read the doctor, like to be clear, the word infiltrate never appears anywhere in the documents. The word infiltrate came from a Cash Patel interview of him summing up what's in the documents. Uh, David, how, how, hang on, hang on. How would a Republican respond if it were completely reversed? The first thing they would say, and first they would get a little, they get a little, a little steam under their, you know, get a little steam, build up a steam in their engine, and basically come out with a motion and say, this is a total, complete, and absolute lie being issued by a bunch of people, and then there'd be that 30-second elevator talk. And that's what would make its way into social media, and, and it would be as much as anyone would need on the Democratic side, or anyone could absorb, to say that it's a lie. You've heard it all before. Maybe words like, you've heard it all before. It's as big a crop, a crock of crap now as it was then. Instead of trying to take this apart as if you have to defend it on a point-by-point -point basis. You know what I'm saying? 
Well, here's the other thing. Like, the, it it doesn't matter for responses from like anybody at a higher level. It, any response other than the, what they're saying is a lie from like the Jed Psaki, from like Hillary Clinton, doesn't matter. Yeah. Because there's nothing coming from this. So it, it's worth pointing out that when during the times that they're losing their mind over Hillary Clinton, um, it, it's worth pointing out that child poverty spiked 50% in January. There you Why go. Did, there you Why go. Why did child poverty spike 50%? Because Joe Manchin and every Republican decided that passing the child tax credit was a bad idea. On Joe Manchin's part, essentially because he heard a rumor that maybe somebody was using it improperly, and on the Republican side, it's because they hate you. Um, right, right. Okay, that's good. That's good. Get the, get that out there. That And that's about as much significance as should be given to this 13-page, uh, you know, prattle, uh, and, 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 and bringing people down to earth into the real world. I mean, to me, it's, 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 it's even annoying to even bother discussing crap like that because it's crap. And, and to give it and to give it the veracity or to give it the to give it the dignity of, of, of your of your mind and your thoughts, which you obviously any you know, you especially could could rip it to shreds a thousand different ways. But to rip it to shreds, you literally have to hold it in your hand and hold it up before the people who basically are saying, ah, you see what he has to do in order to stop this. He's trying awfully hard. David, by the way, you didn't begin the show by doing this. Where is it that you tend to try awfully hard and do a very good job of a accomplishing it when you're not doing it on Central left radio oh you can find me at twitch.tv slash fresh faces new ideas um i would say i normally stream 5 p.m est but i think that might change um so you can follow me on twitter on twitter at faces ideas that's where i have uh, my links and stuff that's where i post when i'm going to stream um so follow me there Okay, uh, and, and I'm sure you'll be—I'm sure we'll be hearing more, more of this sort of uh, conversation going forward. Oh yeah, uh, I've been covering it. So I, I do want to actually just—I I know there's a little bit of a tangent, but I, I want to uh, bring up a point very quickly. Sure. When things like this happen, it is important to see who jumps on it immediately and who gives it a day or two. Good um, point. Generally, Good when point. I'm covering a topic, especially stuff like this, I'm going to first off. It took me a day to find the article or find the actual Durham information because everything was just based off of the Fox News article. Right. Uh, the And then when I read it, I went, oh, I don't understand what I'm reading. Like there, there's tech stuff in here that I'm not, I just don't know. I didn't know what a DSN server is. I didn't know enough of the background for this. So I was waiting for people who were following this and have a better sense of what's happening to start talking about it. Yeah. It is important when you see people pushing stuff out to read the articles or to understand uh, or to to gain it from a trusted source, like or general sources. Uh, well, if, if, if you're da if you're David Bach and you care about this stuff, the public in general will not do that. But yes, it's important for a David Bach who's covering this absolutely to do it. You've got to do it, right? Like that's why when you if you especially if you're watching a streamer and they're talking about a law and it's a, a big thing in the news, it's always imperative that you ask them if they've read it. Yeah. When yeah. big things happen, it's important to understand. Like, like sometimes it's hard to read these things. Like the Mueller report was thick; it took a while to get through. Oh yeah. Uh, the Fauci emails took me like three days to get through. Yeah. But you know, understanding the underlying documents is important when you're discussing these things. Hell but yeah. The, the other thing is, um, their Republican Party has taken another stance, 
And the stance is, uh, this is very, this is a very strange one, but it's, um, innocent people both deserve to be in jail. And if they are let out, they're going to lead to a crime spike somewhere up between immediately and the past 20 years. Okay. So this came out because there was a judicial nominee, and uh, one of them was a former lawyer, a like a uh, like a lead prosecutor for the Innocence Project. Right. Right. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the Innocence Project's basically job is to go through and basically uh, double check like that DNA evidence is accurate, that um, eyewitness do- eyewitness testimony. It's to get people who are innocent out of prison. Yeah. Yeah. Which people can agree is probably a good thing. If you didn't do a crime, you don't deserve to be in prison. I I would hope people can agree on that, yeah. Now, obviously, the correlation also comes to the fact that an increase in uh, uh, incarceration doesn't actually lead to a correlate to a a decrease in crime. Right. We we found that, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Otherwise, we would have zero crime because one of the things that America's number one is is people we lock up. Uh, So why I bring this up is there was a – this nominee was for the Innocent Project, and Ted Cruz – uh, Tom Cotton and Josh Hawley took turns saying that she is both responsible, single-handedly responsible for the, the rise of crime that can be correlated more to uh, economic and the pandemic, because we'll talk about the, the NYPD uh, tweet in a minute. Uh-huh. Um, and she's singly responsible because her ideology has allowed soft-on-crime policies to allow people to get out even though she actually isn't part of those policies and doesn't work on that. Ah, I see. I, I, I guess I guess Cruz's uh, Cruz's stock holdings in prisons basically, uh, you know, c- comes to the fore occasionally on things like this. Oh, oh well. But it gets better because Tom Cotton, the the the, the brilliant Tom Cotton. I think you should always proceed it with those words. Yeah. Uh, and said one that the Democrats passed the First Step Act, and two, which just is not true. The First Step Act was packed, passed in like 2018, 2019. I don't, I don't remember exactly yeah, when yeah, it was. Yeah. And essentially what it does is it works on reducing sentencing disparities, uh, especially for crack and powder cocaine. Right, 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 right. Uh, for giving uh, uh, good time uh, days off. Like, like it's about like, disparaging sentencing and allowing people who have done like nonviolent crimes to be able to get out. Yeah. Uh, top, so it was passed bipartisanly and signed by Donald Trump. It was essentially the only piece of legislation he passed other than the tax cut. It was also the core part of his argument that he was the best president for African-Americans since Abraham Lincoln. Right. Of course. Yeah. 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 Was, a, was was this piece of legislation. Uh, so apparently that's a mistake now, according to Tom Cotton. Ah, uh, which, ah. you know, because when you break it down, it's all of the people who are um, in prison deserve to be in prison. Like, it's it's all just hostility to the, the, the lowest totable. Look, we just came off the biggest story of last week was Free crack pipes for everybody. Yeah. Which also wasn't true. So of course. The, 
the running theme to this needs to be that the Republican Party is 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 goal to lock people, more people up, and criminalize being and just be as cruel as possible to those who need the most help. Um, we hold on, damn it, I just lost my uh like between between the they're just attacks on the rule of law, they're just because they don't have a policy for this. Because think about it, if you think about like all of the major police uh, policies that we can think of over the last you know fifty years, the war on drugs, yeah. broken windows theory, stop and frisk, uh, tough on crime. Do any of them work? Ultimately, you might if you look at. And I'm, and I'm going to come back with one of them here. From the numerics and the short-term numerics, there's an argument to be made that the stop and frisk that came in in New York under Mike Bloomberg did correlate with a certain level of reduced crime. But there was reduced crime around the country at that point not only in New York and not only in places that had the equivalent of a stop and frisk. Other than that, no, none of that correlates to reductions in crime. Well, also, there's, there's more to that, those numbers because it's, it's good that you brought that up because people point to that. So there's two things to that. One, part of the reason the original spike in crime happened was due to a change in laws about how uh, certain drugs are passed. And right. Because that's generally how crime happens. Crime is either, either systemic or it is uh, eternal. So if you believe it's um, it's it's unavoidable because people are predetermined to do crime, then you believe that it doesn't matter and we basically shouldn't have any laws about it because people are just going to do crime. This is generally the argument made by the worst side. So right. people, right. if you see anyone argue the statistic 1350, that's what they're complaining about. Right, right. Um, it's those type of things. Right. The other thing with the correlation, like you pointed out with Stop and Frisk, is yes, it dropped a nationwide and also continue to drop after stop and frisk was considered unconstitutional after they stopped after they stopped implementing it especially in new york right there was a major and then case when you looked york, at yeah. the actual numbers yeah the number the, the for the amount of stops that there was it, the the return on uh drugs and guns and things like that was minuscule yeah yeah so that wasn't even an effective policy there yeah uh so it is it is important to talk about like these specific things. There's also like articles coming out about how oh Democrats are losing rural voters. Except kind of. I mean they did lose they are losing rural voters. The way to get around that is to uh you know pass things that would help regular people like Medicare for all. Yeah. Yeah, people people who live in people who live rurally would actually benefit from that, you know. Yeah shifting to policies that are more favorable, not producing, you know, not sinking Build Back Better essentially over a tax cut and then having Jeff, uh, Hakeem Jeffries create a pact to protect people like Josh Gottheim, who almost sank Build Back Better over the, the salt tax. Like yeah. this, the Hakeem Jeffries pact is so embarrassing that he thinks he's a progressive. He he is in the progressive caucus, like a lot of members who aren't actually progressives. And in it, in his statement, he's like, well, why are people on the hard left attacking progressives? Well, first off, the progressives are the left. And the people he's defending, and this is the important thing that we need to talk about, the defense needs to not be 
on seats that are in blue districts, whether they're getting primaried or not. The defense needs to be on purple districts and red-leaning districts, and it also needs to make sure that we win every secretary of state position in every state. That is like paramount to winning back the house to keep the house and the senate it has to be winning those positions oh yeah because especially in swing states the people who are going to be deciding the votes at least on the republican side are insane yeah they are yeah they're uh they believe that the election was stolen there was one of them that wasn't even allowed to like oversee the election that she was looking in because she's got so many convictions. Some of them will openly brag about being at part of January 6th. It is, that is the crisis happening. Now, obviously, when gun restrictions as well would help, but talking about those and not, like, flipping out over the, like, the San Francisco school board stuff, that yeah. was, there's a lot deeper stuff going on there. Yeah. Um, and look, that, that, yeah, that story kind of came and is, went. Yeah, yeah. I know this is like a really dumb thing to to still be talking about, but if you're you're doing an event with people, and the people in the picture are wearing a mask, wear a mask for the picture. It is the dumbest story that you have to keep defending it. It is so easy to do. And I want to. I want to. And this is this is the conclusion I'm going to come to. And I'm going to talk to about everybody who complains about masks. Go ahead. This this group of people who've done this is the softest generation, probably in history. These people, in order to deal with a pandemic that has killed almost a million Americans, have decided that no level of mitigation is enough for them to change one iota of their lives. There is nothing that they have, there's not a single thing that we have done in, in order to lessen the effects of COVID that they have not whined and cried and, and uh, gotten mad about. Not a single one. If you ask these people what you would do to deal with COVID, they would give you like pseudoscience nonsense, or they would just tell you, don't worry about it or natural immunity. There's so many different things. Like the idea that wearing a mask is tyranny yeah. is so is so pathetic. It is so self-centered that like it's essentially you have to wear a shirt to go walk outside. <laughs> and yeah, you want to complain about, oh, they uh, they didn't know the mask. The, they told us not to wear masks. They told us to wear masks. Yeah, that's how science works. Yeah. It's also because of supply chain issues. Now, the other thing, oh, well, they said masks don't work, to Omicron and its specific mass. Yeah. They're like, oh, the children are suffering. First off, there's two things. This. One, in China and other Asian countries where wearing masks is more acceptable, they do not have this type of complaints. This is an American-centric thing because these people are the softest, babyest people in existence. Yeah, basically, uh, yeah, yeah. Second, they are right to some extent. To some extent, there will be children who will have issues because they are more visual learners or they have some type of learning disability or they're, they're, uh, they just have some type of disability where them not being able to see facial expressions will hurt them. And yep. that, is, that is true. 
And I do not know what the solution to that is. The answer would have been everyone should have buckled down to deal with this so we wouldn't be two years in having these same conversations. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But look, like I've asked some of these people and the response to them has basically been exercise and vitamin D. I was like, okay, to be clear, that's millions more debt. Um, the vaccine, they, they did a story about this. This was pre-Omicron that had we not been vaccinated at the point we were for Delta, we would have lost another million lives. Yeah. Yeah. There is yeah. no solution that they would accept that would inf- impact their lives on the slightest. They're not patriots. They're not standing up to tyranny. They're selfish Although, little children. Extent, That's right. Call them uh, as they are. Call them as they are, the, David. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're children. I haven't looked entirely into the Canada thing. I have seen some stuff on it. Um, and, and to be fair, I have not read the, the actual uh, uh, act yet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But my understanding is the ability to for the government to unilaterally freeze bank accounts because you don't need to a protest is not – that is not a policy that you want. Mm-hmm. It is easier to deal with hard power uh, – use of force from the government than it is to deal with soft power like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, it is possible because I have not read the article, the, the act itself. I have, uh, I, I'm misrepresenting it. And if it is, I'm sorry, I'm going to try to cover that uh, probably Monday. Okay. But it is worth saying that either way. It is better that they use hard power because then you can see it than the ability to use soft power in the way that it has been described. And also the thing of the freedom, the truckers, apparently they're going to do that here. If they they do that here and it caused some type of economic uh, slowdown similar to the one at the bridge in Canada. Yeah. The people who have incited this will not take any credit for the damage they're doing to average Americans. Not take any blame for the for the. For the yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. That's what's happening. Well, that's that. So, that but you expect that, of course. It'll, it'll, it'll be a workaround. In the end, people will only remember that they didn't have their goods. And they'll also remember that, that uh, you know, that, they, that they're complaining and their children. And so they'll conflate those two and forget that it was a, another self-inflicted wound. Okay. You know, and, and that's just how these things go. I think the government has to do everything it can to avoid anything like this. You have to basically stop that level of protest pretty damn quickly. You've got to move these people along. Um, but how that's going to play out, who the hell knows? We'll, we'll have to just oh, see. And then, so there's two more quick ones. I want go to ahead. talk about the Donald Trump story very quickly. So you might have a different view of this because I think you're a little more bullish on the, the civil case. I don't think this matters that much. Um, I mean, it, I think it would be interesting to see what the the outcome is i i don't know like he's not he can't go to jail for it he'll like get fined or he'll lose the trump organization which really shouldn't matter um to because the people who already know that he's a common or don't care anyway aren't going to change their opinions i mean we're talking about a family that's not legally allowed to run a charity in new york without federal oversight because they keep stealing from them right so i i don't know how much of a difference the trump org would make to them um now, the other thing to it is he doesn't have to say anything. Like, they can just plead the fifth. They don't care. 
He doesn't testify to anything that's going to matter. You're talking about you're talking about in 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 the in the in the civil deposition that he's now been forced. He'll appeal it once, but he he will be forced to give deposition. Yeah. Remember the difference here. It's very important. There's a very important difference between civil deposition and criminal deposition. The fifth, which you can plead in a civil deposition is admissible in court. In other words, if I now get you or I get someone on the witness stand, somebody has to appear, or maybe they don't. But I can say, well, you know, this question was asked uh, during our uh, pretrial deposition, and the, and the defendant answered and pleaded the Fifth Amendment 10, 15, 20 times, and you run down that list again and again and again. The difference that makes is the fact that the jury is hearing that the defendant literally said in the course of the hearing, if I answer this, I am exposing myself to criminal liability or other liability. And in a criminal trial, you can't say that. You can't raise what was said during the pretrial hearing. In a civil trial, you can. Trump knows that, and it's damaging, and it's damning, and a jury, when juries hear this, and it's happened before, they almost unanimously turn against the defendant in this situation. That's why it's important. Yeah, and, okay, so the other thing with that is, if he's worried about pleading the fifth, why doesn't he just tell the truth? Because he's Donald Trump. Truth, truth is truth is poison to this man, and it, this it, is like, it gets this in the way of his persona. It gets in the way of what he wants to do on a given day. He can't get trapped into saying the truth or 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 cut, get into a process of telling the truth. He can't do that. He's 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 a narcissist. He's also a pathological. He's also got all kinds of psychological issues. We know we know no. that. We know the answer. Yes, that's obviously the answer. But that would be what you would argue to a lady. Sure, now, sure. The other thing, um, the other thing for the other story I want to talk about is what happened in Louisville. So in Louisville, there was a uh, this twenty-two-year-old kid who um, showed up at a the, the 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 leading candidate for the mayor and tried to shoot him. Hmm. He was. You know, he was part of the the uh, Black Lives Matter movement. He had been uh, featured on My Brother's Keeper, the Obama administration, the the Obama charity. Uh, you know, they people had known him. He seemed like he was a star. This kid went missing for a year, and then when he came back, he was essentially radicalized to these these hard right, like black nationalist, black Israelite groups. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so he was arrested for this. And then the Louisville BLM bailed them out. Now, there's a couple of things to talk about this. The response that everyone is doing is that, oh, BLM activists tried to kill somebody because, uh, and, and nobody is talking about this. Well, first off, they don't know all the details yet. To, to, the, like, they're literally investigating this too. Second, the reason he is bailed out and he was set at $100,000, which his lawyer's like, hey, he has no history of any of this stuff. This appears to have been a mental break. Yeah. And he has uh, mental issues anyway. And if we, if you throw him in jail, we're not going to be able to put him in, like, psychiatric help that he clearly needs. If he has the psychiatric help he needs, maybe he can recover. He probably he still deserves to be uh, go through a cro- uh, trial, whether he gets charged and placed on... Uh, 
whether the mental illness part of it is uh, as big a deal as it seems, right? It's worth it's worth mentioning. But the idea that this is just like, oh, BLM is bailing out criminals because they they only care about white people doing crime. And this stuff, like, what is the na- the narrative that they're trying to push there is so racist and destructive. It's like all black people are criminals, that this organization is a fraud, that they hate you and they just want to call you racist, but they don't actually care about crime. Like, there's so much misunderstanding and and dis uh and uh just hate around this this thing and it's pushed from like the most disgusting people and another thing with this is charlie kirk recently tweeted that charlie kirk is is just lost his mind all the time uh Mm -hmm. because apparently uh the holocaust is when you can't go to a bagel store ah 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 or maybe it was a bakery i don't i don't remember what he said it was something along those lines okay i'll have to Um, keep that in mind yeah uh and again, this is, and I, I'm, I have no problem saying, the only political violence I advocate for is that if you make these Holocaust comparisons or you show up these anti-vax rallies with the Jewish stars, a Jewish person should be allowed to punch you in the face. That's the extent of the, the uh, <laughs> political violence. And it's a, a designated and, Jewish puncher, by the way. We should have someone there, you know. Well, no, there's not. A, we would need more than one because there's so many. I hear you. Stuff. I hear you, man. Uh, I hear you. This is the problem also with banning books because you don't understand history because famously Jonathan Turley on Fox news said that uh, because whatever's going on in Canada, like imagine if they had done that to the civil rights movement and arrested Martin Luther King. (laughs) Could could you imagine if we lived in a world where they had arrested Martin Luther King? Gee golly. Where like things like the letter from Birmingham jail didn't exist. No, of course. If you live in Texas, you don't have to teach it. Or the I Have a Dream speech, or, you know, like history. Yeah, like history, yeah. Oh, David, I tell you, man. It goes on, and it goes on, and it goes on, and, 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 and it goes on, on your, uh, out, of, out of your mouth, and from your brain, fortunately. And uh, once again, where else does it go on out of your mouth and out of your brain besides Central Left Radio? Twitch.tv slash Fresh Faces New Ideas, and you can follow me on Twitter at Faces Ideas. Okay, and I thank you once again for uh, just just really good stuff. <laughs> as if as if uh, that that's surprising. Don't let the tone of my voice suggest that. This is what you always bring to our Friday shows, and and I'm so grateful for it, and I look forward to a lot more of it. And uh, with that, I suggest that uh, if you're listening to this uh, as a podcast or otherwise, there's, there's a bunch of stuff David just got into there that's worth going back and thinking about. A lot of it might be first impression for a lot of people listening here. Hey, I hadn't heard about that. Go back and listen to some more and get your own information like David's suggesting. Read. Get the documentation that basically supports the stuff that people are putting out there. And learn for yourself. If we, if we, if we basically keep just depending on, 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 on opinions and personalities and social media and, and, and media generally just to digest and give it back to us, what we're going to get basically is a commercial version that serves somebody's best interests, but will never be the full information that you will get if you, if you read it yourself. And then... Add to that expertise that you might glean from other sources, but be prepared then to be able to judge the quality of the so-called expertise based on doing the work 
yourself. What a wild thought that you might actually have to work to get information. Thanks again, David. Thank you so much. And uh, take a break from that hard labor, folks, just for a moment, with a little more jazz. listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and thank you once again for being part of today's show. I heard it last night, Hillary Clinton giving a 30-second elevator slamming to Republican positions, comparing them to progressive and democratic positions in a way that she's never done before. Yes, she's not going to be out there. No, she's not going to be a candidate. But that passion, something I never would have expected from her, is something that Democrats must begin showing more of. <laughs> 